BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Friday, August 14th. I am Kyle Hilliard. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. Epic is going head-to-head with both Apple and Google, and the mobile version of Fortnite is being held hostage. As a result, we will learn more about WB Montreal's game at DC Fandome, and Rocksteady's Suicide Squad game appears to have a subtitle, Kill the Justice League. Epic is going to legal war with Google and Apple, and Fortnite is being used as ammunition. A lot happened yesterday between Apple, Google, and Epic, and none of it was friendly. Epic and its CEO, Tim Sweeney, have always been critical of platform holders who take a cut of sales for software sold on their digital storefronts. Apple takes a cut of iOS app store sales. Valve takes a cut from games sold on Steam, etc. Sweeney doesn't think that it's an unreasonable agreement. Epic Games Store also shares a portion of the sale for games on the store, but Sweeney's complaint has always been that the cut is too high and it favors the platform holders too much and it's unfair to the developers creating the content that is sold on those stores. One of the main stated goals in Epic Games Store's competition with Steam is that it intends to offer a fairer percentage by offering more for the developers. So that's the table setting for everything that happened. So here you go. Yesterday, Epic changed how V-Bucks, Fortnite's microtransaction currency, was sold in the mobile version of Fortnite. It allowed players to buy V-Bucks directly from Epic, effectively bypassing Apple. And to call some attention to it, Epic permanently lowered the cost of V-Bucks. That action, however, was a violation of Apple's App Store policies, and the game, in turn, was pulled from the store, And in response to that, Epic raised a lawsuit against Apple. A similar process happened with the Android version of Fortnite, and so Epic added Google to that lawsuit. Dean Takahashi reported on the whole thing for VentureBeat and wrote, After Apple pulled the app, Epic Games launched a suit, filing a complaint for injunctive relief that alleges Apple has monopolized the iOS app distribution market and iOS in-app payment processing market, among other harms. Epic Games claimed in the lawsuit that Apple's behavior has been anti-competitive. That's sure to attract the interest of lawmakers and regulators who recently held hearings in Washington, D.C. to probe possible antitrust violations for the big tech companies. That story is linked in the show notes. Okay, so then after all that, Epic released a video featuring Fortnite characters called 1980 Fortnite, hashtag free Fortnite, that spoofed the well-known 80s Apple advertisement that pitched the idea that Apple was on their way to shatter the status quo and change home computers by featuring a character disrupting a seemingly fascist gathering by throwing a hammer at a screen that is spewing propaganda to an audience of what appeared to be brainwashed participants. At the end of the video, text pops up on screen that reads, Epic Games has defied the App Store monopoly. 
In retaliation, Apple is blocking Fortnite from a billion devices. Join the fight to stop 2020 from becoming 1984. So, to summarize, Fortnite intentionally went against Apple and Google's policy so that the game would be pulled from those platforms, issued their lawsuit, and then released the prepared video in order to garner public support for their efforts to change Apple and Google's policy. It's a huge, weird thing. That is, speaking as a consumer... A little frustrating. Epic's goal here is to basically reduce the fees that platforms like Apple and Google are demanding, and they want new policies put in place that will optimistically give all developers and app creators more compensation for their work, which would be, you know, pretty undeniably a good outcome. But it's hard not to feel like an ant on the ground just trying to play a fun video game while three giants grapple with each other above you, and you're just sort of trying to avoid their stomping feet. It's something that is going to take a long, drawn-out time to solve, and in the meantime, players who enjoy playing Fortnite on their mobile devices will have to find a new platform to play it on, or a new game to play while they wait for it all to be sorted out. I do hope at the end of the day, though, it ultimately helps smaller developers make more money with their games and apps that are being released on the iOS app and Google Play stores. That would definitely be the best outcome. We will learn what WB Montreal is working on on August 22nd, and Rocksteady's Suicide Squad game may have a subtitle. DC released the full schedule for its upcoming DC Fandom event, which is happening on August 22nd. And there are a few surprising details about both Rocksteady's Suicide Squad game and whatever WB Montreal has been working on for the past few years, which has long been rumored to be a new Batman game, potentially a game based on the recent Court of Owls run of comics. On the schedule, there is a listing for Saturday, August 22nd at 10.30 p.m. Pacific time that reads... Warner Brothers Games Montreal announcement. Eurogamer's Wesley Yin Poole is reporting with confidence that this will be a Gotham Knights game, writing, As Eurogamer has reported, this is WB Games Montreal's Gotham Knights, which, while unannounced, has been continually hyped via various Court of Owls hints for more than a year. Gotham Knights, as I understand it, and please feel free to send me a correction if I'm wrong about this, but as I understand it, it is an identifier used to basically encapsulate larger Batman stories that extend to his larger network of family and friends. The Gotham Knights are basically, you know, Batman and his pals. Pretty much all Batman stories these days, including the Court of Owls story, that many are assuming will serve as the basis for this WB Montreal game, also involves much of Batman's group of friends. Now, this is a bit of a shameless plug, but if you want to know more about Court of Owls, I actually read it somewhat recently, and Ben Hansen and I recorded an extended discussion about it for MinMax, and we touched on why it would make a good Batman video game. I will have a link to that discussion in the show notes. It also, just functionally, is a way to get an in-depth synopsis about the Court of Owls story without actually reading the comic, if you want to take that approach. The other bit of news from the schedule is related to Rocksteady's now officially announced Suicide Squad game. The game appears to have a subtitle with the full game name being Suicide Squad colon Kill the Justice League. That premise has been rumored for a while, and then it was also what most people assumed after the Superman teaser image was released, but it is nice to get more of a confirmation there. Also, I really just like the general idea. I think it's a really cool premise, especially for a video game. Other little details 
That presentation will last 20 minutes, and the description reads, Will Arnett hosts the highly anticipated video game reveal from Rocksteady Studios, creators of the Batman Arkham franchise. I like Will Arnett a lot. He's very funny. I have heard him talk about playing video games on multiple occasions, so I'm actually excited to have him, you know, I guess moderate this thing. Maybe he's doing a voice in the game. It would be strange to hear his voice as someone other than Lego Batman within the DC canon, but I don't know, maybe that's the case. Or, you know, maybe he just likes Batman video games. DC has his phone number and he was available. I guess we will see. Citing Wesley Yin Pool's Eurogamer article again, he, he made an interesting point at the end that I had not considered. Yin Pool wrote, There's no mention of Injustice 3, the rumored next game from fighting game developer NetherRealm. However, there are Injustice-related panels, and we know NetherRealm chief Ed Boon will be in attendance. Fingers crossed there's a glimpse at the studio's next effort at some point during the event. I talked about potential Injustice 3 rumors recently related to some logo art that surfaced online and how the game might feature the Watchmen cast, which would be a little weird, but I think, interesting, I am curious if that might be something that gets a very tiny tease, like no gameplay footage or anything, but a confirmation that it is being worked on. That would be a fun surprise. I am very excited for both of these announcements. I love all of Rocksteady and WB Montreal's Batman games, and I'm very eager to learn more. Both of these are among the games I am most excited about, period. If either of those games are confirmed for release this year, and assuming, you know, that they look as cool as I hope they will, I could see either one or both, frankly, jumping to the top of my most anticipated list for the year. I can't wait. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. EA Sports UFC 4 is out today on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. I don't know much about UFC, but this year's entry seems to be a solid one. It's currently sitting at a 79 on Metacritic. Mitchell Saltzman gave the game an 8 for IGN and wrote, EA Sports UFC 4 is great with an improved career mode and clinch system, though its ground game still needs work. My pal Brian Shea over at Game Informer gave the game an 8.5 and wrote, Whether you want to challenge the best in the world online or simply claim your throne in career mode, this is a terrific next step for EA Sports' MMA franchise. UFC 4 effectively evolves its gameplay and career mode, giving you more than enough reason to step back into the octagon. Those reviews are both linked in the show notes, so if you're into UFC and enjoy video games, this sounds like a good year to play. 
Dreamscaper, a roguelite action RPG that has a cool, dreamy visual style, entered early access today on Steam. Apparently, the idea behind the game is a woman named Cassidy experiences troubling dreams every night, and you're basically playing through them, which is a smart premise for a roguelite. Rock of Ages 3, the strange Katamari-inspired kind of puzzle game that has a whole Terry Gilliam Monty Python aesthetic to it, has been added to the Stadia Pro library today, so... If you subscribe to Stadia Pro, you can start playing Rock of Ages 3 today. And it apparently has some performance features exclusive to Stadia, which sounds interesting, but I don't know what that means. The Last of Us Part 2 was updated yesterday, and it added some stuff we expected, like alternate difficulty modes and a permadeath option, but it also added a bunch of unexpected things. Infinite crafting, a ton of interesting visual filters, so you can do things like make the game look pixelated or fill it with color. There are now slow motion effects, options to remove elements of the HUD. Touch of death is a mode where it seems like any enemy you touch will die in one hit. There's also a mirror mode for the entire game, among other things. That's a weird one, but it's all available as of yesterday as a free update. Another release I missed yesterday is Milky Way Prince The Vampire Star, which is out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, and Switch. It's a visual novel, and quoting from the press release, it's about intimacy, idealization, and abusive relationships. It all seems to be set in a strange cosmic world with vampires and demons. I have the launch trailer linked in the show notes. It looks uh, weird. One game that was supposed to release today for Switch is the game Deliver Us the Moon, which is a horror game about a lone astronaut being sent to the moon in search of resources to help save an Earth that is on the edge of apocalypse. It was well-liked on Steam when it released last year. It was supposed to release for Switch today, but in my search to confirm its release date, I learned that version was cancelled. Here's what developer Wired Productions had to say about the Switch version back in June. Hello, astronauts. It has been just over six weeks since we launched on Xbox One and PlayStation 4, and we have been overwhelmed with the love, passion, and positive feedback for the game shown by fans worldwide. We had planned to include Nintendo Switch in our release schedule. However, today we unfortunately bring news that we will no longer be releasing a Nintendo Switch version of Deliver Us the Moon. We have a duty to our players and to our teams, and after careful consideration, we've had to take the difficult decision to end development. The decision has been made based on a number of factors, not helped by the industry-wide stresses that have been felt by the COVID-19 pandemic, which has made every task just that little bit harder. We understand the disappointment this may cause, and if you have pre-ordered the game for Nintendo Switch, you can get in touch with your retailer to cancel this. Thank you for your patience and support. Other missions have only just begun, and we look forward to sharing news on where these rockets take us next. That blog is linked in the show notes. So if you were looking forward to it and were wondering why it isn't on the eShop, I am sorry to be the one to break the bad news. This, you know, final segment of the show where I talk about new releases and release dates and stuff, it's getting more and more abstract every day. But this is just one of those news beats that I don't think is worth a full dedicated segment, but does have something to do with a game hypothetically releasing. I've mentioned it in a past episode, but alongside the movie Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is celebrating its 10-year anniversary, Ubisoft released a fun co-op beat-em-up game that had a fantastic soundtrack from the band Anamanaguchi. But for various confusing licensing reasons, the game was pulled off digital storefronts and is no longer available for purchase. 
Scott Pilgrim's creator, Brian Lee O'Malley, has been politely commiserating about it online for some time, trying to figure out a way to get Ubisoft to re-release the game. And yesterday he tweeted, P.S. Ubisoft has reached out to me. That's all he offered, but, you know, hey, maybe it means the game is coming out soon. I'd love to see it on Switch, which is where I would like to see every video game ever released. That's it for gaming news today. If you have corrections or just, you know, feedback in general, feel free to send me tweets or DMs to either at Kyle M. Hilliard or at Gaming Ride Home, or you can send an email, kyle at ridehome.info, and please consider leaving a review for the podcast wherever you listen to it. You can also check out my Twitch account, Kyle Impersonator, where I am playing through something new. I'm still playing Halo. I played Halo yesterday and today. I'll play more Monday, I think, and then... I don't know. After that, I might play some online Halo. We're, I'm, I'm playing Halo because we're doing the min-max deepest dive on the original Halo, so I need to get through it so I can talk about it and, and remember all of my nostalgia for the game. You can also find me on the min-max show for more long-form video game discussions, like, you know, about Halo. I was literally just talking about that. I will talk to you more about video games on Monday. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.